0: Being a mindful person, as you discovered this morning, (laughs) doesn't necessarily mean that we face zero in adversity, like life just goes so smoothly. It means that we can be with the as-is nature of life not going smoothly.
1: Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 663. Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy to have you all here today. Because I did not even know what mindfulness was when I started my podcast in 2016. I don't know if our guest today knows that I did not know what mindfulness is, but it was thanks to a podcast episode that I found out, and it has been a blessing in my life ever since. And I just have to say, because you, my listeners, know that I am totally transparent five minutes before... I was, well, before recording this started, so I guess now 10 minutes ago, my kids ran into my bedroom and said, it's time to get up. But I had set my alarm for like two hours ago, three hours ago, just to be up and at it today. But it was thanks to mindfulness and Kristen, I'm going to introduce you in just a second, but it was thanks to mindfulness that I wasn't like, oh, damn. You know, and giving myself real crap about it. It's like, oh, thank you. I feel rested. This is amazing. I needed that. And I'm really being mindful to watch my thoughts, give myself grace and keep me moving forward, you know, at the highest spirit possible. But our guest today is Kristen Maneri, who is the host of Sixty Mindful Minutes. She's done so much more than that, but you know that I don't go into a full blown introduction because I want you to connect and I could use a minute there or I could use a minute, you know, letting you get to know the person more. But Kristen, I'm so happy that you are here with us today.
0: Me too. I love the way you had this moment of mindfulness this morning. Like it's just perfect (laughs) segue into our conversation today.
1: Well, I've learned a lot from you. I, and I've been picking up little pieces along the way. And I must also admit that I'm in a 10 day challenge with myself. And it it's Tony Robbins, but maybe there's something that you could do that's, you know, the 60 Mindful Minutes version of it, where every time we might start thinking a negative thought, we give ourselves no, you know, there's a minute where we can decide if we're gonna flip it or stick with it. And if we don't flip it, then the 10 day challenge has to start over again.
0: Wow. That's awesome.
1: It started yesterday. So <laughs> I I actually didn't run into it yesterday. It's just this morning and oversleeping would have been the first opportunity, and I didn't even let myself get down. I was like, "Oh, I feel so much rested," or so yeah, so much rested. Apparently, my my grammar's still c- catching up. But Kristen, for <laughs> uh, for listeners who who may not know who you are yet, would you mind introducing yourself and telling them a little bit about how you got here? Because I know sure. this is not where you started in your entrepreneurial journey.
0: Yeah, so I, I really started, I guess, studying the human species probably like 20, 20-ish years ago. Um, I started working for a motivational speaker and so much of the culture of, of our workplace was about like living your best life. And at 20-ish years old, it had never occurred to me that that you designed your life. I thought life just happened to you, and you like did your sort of duck and weave <laughs> as best you could and you know then I'm steeped in this work culture where it's like, nope,, you are the architect of your life, and that was brand new information for me. that was not something I was raised hearing, and so I kind of started down that journey of self development, self help, self improvement, all of you know all of those things. And I don't think you can get too far down that road before we realize what you have been working on is that we don't speak to ourselves very nicely. And especially when people start really doubling down on self improvement. What they usually see is everything that they don't like about themselves and everything that they want to change and how frustrated they are at the rate of the change or how slow it's taking. And and so when I started into the world of mindfulness, first just as a practitioner, but then and but then studying it and taking courses and learning from really amazing teachers, going on silent retreats, setting aside every day to meditate, and journal, I started to see that there's a way to be in the world that has me evolve, you know, grow, learn, you know, keep keep myself open to what where i and life can take me, but i can do it with a sense of grace and compassion and love and patience. and i think that's what i love about mindfulness is that's the kind of missing piece. we both know that the self-improvement industry is a multi-billion probably trillion dollar industry. but without that element of An attitude, an intention. Then what we get is just like we're all trying to sculpt this perfect statue of David, and it's just not possible. Life happens. You had an experience of that this morning. You know, someone who's trying to be perfect, and I love that this is the ethos of what you do. Is like, don't just stop. Stop trying to be perfect. If that was what your job was every day—to be the most perfect version of you—then you you would have just gone so sideways this morning. But because you've been working on your mindfulness and your compassion and i love that you use the word grace. You you were able to take a beat this morning and say okay, wait, what am i really up to today? And it's definitely not like carving myself a new you know what, <laughs> you know, like i am going to really i'm going to love myself in my flaws, in my triumphs and in this moment it's just what it is. So I hope that answers your question. I know that's a little long winded, but it's it's not something that happened overnight. And it wasn't like I just went and got a certification and was like, "Ah, oh, okay, now I'm doing this." It's really been a lifelong process.
1: Mm. You had me thinking about where I was 20 years ago, and I was working in in Manhattan or still going to school in Chicago. And i went to I went to one of the number one art schools, and I, and I don't say that to brag, but or at all, there is no but, my my department was interior architecture. And there were quite a few, by the time we graduated, we were all female. Um, interior architecture, if I didn't say that, I might have left the interior off. So basically, I uh, glamorized a, a little step up from interior design, but not full-blown architecture. And a few of the of my fellow students awesome people but came from a lot more money so i wasn't you know that was not a time of mindfulness for me it was always okay how can i stretch my okay i'm just going to say it my walmart budget mm-hmm. <laughs> to look like prada mm-hmm. because you know in i every day i would see the the prada pencil cases and the prada bags and and i felt a lot of not enoughness and when i went to new york it was always Rush, 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 rush. Oh, somebody just came back from lunch from sex. Look at that awesome coat. And I, and I just now, nev- I always felt a lot of not enoughness in it. I didn't start really learning this until 2016, 2017. But I was already a, a entrepreneur by that point, so I was seeing all the wins that were happening, or quote wins. And maybe you've some seen some of this as an entrepreneur as well, but with your mindfulness experience, I certainly hope you haven't experienced it the way I did where I was feeling not enoughness there too, because of the comparison syndrome. But I'm finally in the past, just like you said, not an overnight journey. I mean, even since 2016, 2017, it's been slow going. but I've finally gotten it into my head that what I see on the internet isn't necessarily the case of what's going on. And then even more recently, I don't, I don't measure success by what I have anymore. It's who I am and how I feel is going to measure my success, mm. but I can't imagine. I I wonder, and I, this is not a what if, because I don't really believe in what ifs and I would never want to go back and recreate my past. Cause I do believe I'm here for a reason and everything that happened. To me and for me for a reason, but I can't imagine what my life would look like had I been experienced or had I been introduced twenty years ago, yeah,
0: yeah, and and the there's a chance that your path would have changed, or mm-hmm. there's a chance that you might have just enjoyed the journey more, you know, like being a mindful person, as you discovered this morning <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that we face zero in adversity. like life just goes so smoothly. It means that we can be with the as-is nature of life not going smoothly. Like, I think you and I were on a conference call one time, and I think my, my kid had done something, Allie, I think it was, and I spilled something, I think. And I was just like, hmm, okay, well, you're going to need to wipe that up. And I looked back at you on the screen, and you were so wide-eyed. <laughs> you were like, why are you reacting like that? And I can't promise that I always react like that. But in that moment, it was like, why would I resist the as-is nature of what just happened? It's, it's just water. Something got spilled, and the next right thing to do is to wipe it up. We, this idea that we, we're all, that we have to hustle, that we have to compare, that there's somewhere we're trying to get. To me, that's such a source of suffering for us. What what we need is just to always pick the next right action. The next right action is always right in front of us and we don't we don't not that I'm saying we don't make business plans and have vision. I, I'm all for that. I love doing that. But when we get caught up in where I'm gonna be three months, three years, thirty years from now, that I miss this opportunity to to bring myself so fully and presently and and lovingly and heartfully and consciously to to this moment and I this moment is our life, right? Like this isn't, this is it right now, right now. This is my moment, my life. And so I don't want to miss it.
1: When, when we had that experience, I actually really loved it because I was, my parents were a little bit, mm, I, and they're both still alive and I love them. But they taught me a lot of what I do want to do and what I don't want to do with my kids. So I just need to put it out there. And I think that's probably something that we all experience with sure. our families at some point. Definitely. But it was like zero to 120 miles per hour as far as escalation when something goes wrong. And and I absolutely loved seeing how calm you were because I'll have days when, you know, my kids will spill milk or something and there's that expression. You know, don't cry over spilled milk. And there's days when there's when they're fighting with each other. I, mean, I just gotta share. One of my kids told one another one last week that she had a fly on her foot. And so he could put his head close. He's like, I don't see it. And she says, put your head closer. So he does, and then he kicked her or she kicked him in the face. Oh. <laughs> it was I was like, Wow, that took some imagination to come up. And You know, I have to be careful because that is not at all nice. I don't want my kids to be kicking each other in the face. But at the same time, there was that that mom part of me that really had to try not to laugh when I heard the story because I really wanted to be firm and say that is not okay. But anyway, don't cry over spilled milk. You know, this is okay. Calm down. I'm not going to blow up. Let's just find a towel and clean it up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we can be playful. Like I wasn't there. So I don't know how hard your daughter kicked her son in the face. And um, like, there's a lot more context to it, obviously, that I'm not aware of. But what I would say is that children are such amazing teachers of not only just mindfulness, there's so much more in the present moment than we are, which is why she probably, like it was imagination, but also she was present to, aha. I can do this tricky thing. Like I'm here in this moment and I see this opportunity. And what I love about that is like that, the playful nature and who, you know, who knows maybe your son cried and got really upset, but it's like, I also want to teach my kids respect and kindness to each other. And it's not okay to hurt each other, but also like, that's funny. That's really funny too. Like We can also laugh as long as, you know, someone's face didn't get damaged And Mm -hmm. and be with like, wow, that's that's so funny. Like, let's have a really good laugh at that. And when we're not so, I think, white, like white knuckling our parenting, like, oh my God, what what is it gonna mean? Are they gonna now like punch somebody in the face at school? Like, we can relax and say, Yeah, that was funny. And maybe say later, like, yeah, let's not do that again. You really like you could have really got him in the eye and that could have been really bad. But like Mm -hmm. in the moment it's like yeah, that's funny. It's funny to do things like to to do little gags at each other, or pranks, or what are they punks or whatever my kids call it. So yeah, I think we're when we're here, and we're not caught up in. I mean, let me ask you a question: When you are just fully hanging out with your kids, and you know, it's Sunday afternoon and everyone's just having a lazy moment and no one needs anything. And there's just like the world kind of slows down to like 10 miles an hour and something goes wrong, maybe spilled milk. Like, how do you react versus you've just you know busted into the kitchen? You're late for a call. You can't find your, your earbuds. Um, you, you've had too much coffee. You didn't really eat very much. And your kid spills your milk. It's the same thing, right?
1: Huh. wow! Wow! I never really thought about that before because it—I don't react differently, or I—I I, I do react differently.
0: Of course,
1: right? Absolutely differently. Totally, because in one
0: instance, you know, Sunday afternoon, you're there, you're there in the moment, your mm-hmm. your nervous system is calm. In the other instance, you're rushing, har- you know, hurried, harried, all all the things. And and so quick to see that spilled milk is like ah another thing getting in the way of you needing to be where you you know need to be. So I think so much of our our ability to just live more presently as parents as entrepreneurs is to slow down long enough so that we aren't you know filled with all these knee jerk reactions. We aren't just like blah 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 You know, like slow down so I can go like oh that's okay. That's just milk. And I have a rag and it's going to be okay. But I don't think we normally live like that. I think we're not, we're not traveling at 10 miles an hour. Most of the time we're typically traveling at about 50 or I don't know. What do you, what would you say is your normal speed (laughs) in like a, when you're in busy mode?
1: Oh, I'm trying not to get pulled over by cops for speeding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my busy mode is like 50, 60 miles an hour. And I don't, Uh I don't want that. I Mm -hmm. want to I want to be at like, I don't want to be like the, you know, the school zone, you know, when you have to slow down and you're like, Oh my God, it's so slow. I think I, like my ideal would be in like the thirties, but I have to bring a lot of intention Mm -hmm. to being in a 30 mile an hour vibe because I want to get a lot done. And I get, I slip into the parts of my brain that that see accomplishment and achievement and checking another box off of my to-do list as, as superior to my way of being. I forget. I, I love this quote. I wish I could tell you who said it, but that mindfulness is a dance of remembering and forgetting. And I forget a lot. And when I am in 55 miles an hour mode, I have forgotten that my way of being is actually more important than whatever it is I'm trying to do.
1: You just gave me a mental exercise. Without, I mean, well, maybe it was mindfully on purpose, but I'm talking about thirty miles per hour. I'm just thinking about, you know, you're. I'm driving down my small town's main road. How slow would I have to be driving, even when I'm busy, to be able to smell lilac bushes when they're? Mm. So I'm just gonna carry lilac bushes on. Well, I'm, let's just call it a Sunday drive mm-hmm. on a Sunday drive as my new goal speed. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, when I'm, when I'm going 75 on the interstate, trying not to get pulled over by a cop, I'm not going to smell that. No, no. No. no, no, yeah,
0: no. And I mean, even think about, you know, say you're standing in the kitchen and you think to yourself, I need one of my kids to do something. And say, you know, you know, they've got earbuds on, so you can't like, like hey, like we would normally do, like, come here. <laughs> say we have to actually go into their room to ask them, like, can you come empty the dishwasher or whatever? And um, the difference between walking into their room and making that request at 55 miles an hour and making it at 30, 30 miles an hour and stop taking a bead and noticing like, oh, they're in the middle of Lego or they're reading a book and 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 how we would like it if someone busted in on us and said, Hey, can you come empty the dishwasher right now? And then like walked right back out. But but without without having, without cultivating the skill of mindfulness, without actually having a practice where we practice it, we we tip over like into the forgetting. We we just move around in the world at the speed and making requests and being with people in a way that Isn't isn't who we really are? It's just like our speedy self that is just like kind of a bull in a china shop sometimes. And we see, I think we see it most with our kids because they are they are such mirrors for us. Like how I go is how they go. So if I'm fifty five miles an hour and I'm barking out orders and I'm become this sort of militant get things done person, I I can almost immediately see the whole vibe of the house change. And then when I take some breaths, I slow myself way down. It's like, boom, okay, we're back to calm. We're back to having a peaceful house again. We don't, I don't think we always see it in the business world because, you know, adults do a really good job of faking what's happening on the inside, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but it's true. If you were to show up on a conference call with me and be like, I might not show you in my face that that's affected me but it will have affected me i will feel i will have empathized and will be mirroring mirror, mirroring what you feel i just probably won't show it because we're you know we're all grown up and we don't do that yeah
1: yeah so it took me 40 years to figure out how to make scrambled eggs without burning them hmm. Because I would always turn the burner on high. Mm-hmm. I wanted those eggs done, mm-hmm. right? Like the 75 miles per hour version of making scrambled eggs. Mm. And I had to learn how to be patient in the kitchen if I wanted to get anything mm-hmm. edible. I am still working on this. It is a daily no. Once a week, <laughs> once a week, I will get into the kitchen and be patient and and make something and enjoy it my husband does all the rest of the cooking. Thank goodness. But I had to learn how to do the same in my business too. Mm. keep the burner on medium. So thank you. Like now I'm realizing that for cooking for in, in the business, keep the burner on medium because sometimes mm. putting it on high is just going to cause me to make rest, rush decisions based on fear or panic. But turn it down to medium and think about it and don't rush forward. And now it's going to go full blown into parenting and thought. So thank you.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I love that because what you're pointing to is that mindfulness doesn't equal meditation. Meditation is just one tool that people use to become more mindful, but we, we actually are given practice opportunities all day long. And we when we bring some intention, and attention to those opportunities, let's say for you, for example, you decide with some real deliberateness to like turn your cooking ritual, whatever that is, maybe it's breakfast, into a a mindfulness practice, and you stir with a with a sense of ease and and but deliberateness and you you know flip the egg over with a with focus but but not with a with panic like oh I gotta get this egg done but you could you could say whether it's how you get in the shower every day how you uh, pull out of the driveway how you feed your dog how you make eggs right you could just say huh I am going to turn this into my mindfulness practice. And I'm not going to say that you wouldn't also benefit from meditation. You would. But for some people, it feels too difficult. They don't have time to do it. They just don't have the space in their life to actually sit down and, and, and try or to stay with it long enough that it actually feels like you're getting somewhere. You could take your practice of making eggs and say, that is this is where I practice my mindfulness. This is where I'm honing that skill. And we we have... Unlimited opportunities to do this all day long. Mindfulness does not just happen on a meditation cushion. It happens if you're open to it and willing to bring intention and attention to it. It happens every waking hour that you have available.
1: Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to join the Work Smarter, Not Harder Challenge. Over the course of 30 days, these free, yes, free, short videos will teach you a few of the systems and strategies I set up in my business so I can get away from my computer and back to the people I love. I invite you to sign up now at worksmarternotharderchallenge.com. Again, you can sign up at worksmarternotharderchallenge.com. Kristen, with mindfulness or the spirit of even the if you didn't know what it was at all around you in your first twenty years.
0: Hmm, that's a really good question. I don't think so. I I I think I had a a disease. Uh, you know, just like a sense of like not feeling good about my life and how I was living and maybe the choices I was making, things I was saying, the people I was keeping my, you know, keeping company with. And but I I didn't know that you're actually supposed to stop and listen. You know, I I even had a daughter with my excuse me, a conversation with my daughter the other day, and she was saying how she was just really struggling with making better choices. And she's like, how do you do that? Like how do you make better choices. And I said, well, I I sit with myself every day and I think about how I feel about my life. And, and so that, that sense of dis-ease, which was kind of like a background hum through my, my teens and my twenties for sure was not something I even stopped to listen to. It's like, you can just drink or put on a song or go be with people or like, There's a thousand things I can do other than stop and listen. Like, what is this feeling? Why don't I feel good? And so what I said to my daughter is like, that's what I'm doing every morning. Like when I have my centering practice every day, part of that is just saying like, huh, like almost doing like a scan, like what's, what's the weather in there. And when I, when it feels breezy or stormy, I notice, and then I think, okay, what's happening? I don't, I don't. I want to be with it because I don't want to just live with sort of this nonstop discontent or dis-ease or like low level anxiety of like, ugh, you know, that feeling just like, ugh, I don't like how that feels. I don't want to live like that. But that to me, that that's in, it's like impedes me from actually living. I don't feel alive when I have this guck that I'm hanging around. So, but I realized like at, at 10 years old, um, I've never actually explained that to her. Like you have to sit down and listen to your thoughts. And so I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know that that's happening. I don't know that that's happening for, you know, you and I, when we were that age. And I, I don't, I don't really see it all that much yet in school system. It's starting to be, but I don't know that we're ever really like people say point within, like, that's where the answer is. Go look inside.
1: There was a day a couple of years ago when my now 17 year old was just, his attitude was poop. Let's just put it like that. And I was, I was done with it. So I grounded him and I said, you can come out of grounding after you read this. And I gave him think better, live better by Joel Osteen, Mm -hmm. which while, while it is Christian, you know, centered, it has a lot of great points. So Whatever, to the listener out there who's like, what, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, if you have, you know, if you have any, it's still a great book. So I just want to put that out there. But the whole time, and I made him, I made him sit next to me. I had a nice comfy chair in here and I said, just sit there. It's a short, shorter read. Just sit there and read it. So he did so over the next couple of days. And I kept on hearing him go, mm, hmm, hmm. Mm. like, mom, if I think better, I can live better. I'm like, yeah, go ahead and try. So he finished reading and his attitude improved. And I've seen him be considerably less harsh on himself in the couple of years since and less harsh on other people.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We can learn to be good people like that, like to assume that we get to whatever age, you know, wherever, wherever listeners are now, wherever you are right now, to assume that that is um, like you're done, like you're cooked now (laughs) or is so um, like, it's just a missed opportunity to see like, we're always evolving. Like we're always a work in progress, never perfecting because there's always somewhere else. Like there's always something else to know. And I think that's why I'm such a voracious reader is because that experience your son was having of like, Oh, Oh, like that's a drug to me. (laughs) You know, like I, I want to experience that on a daily basis. That's I can't, I don't know why I'm wired that way, but I can tell you that that is so uh, exciting and fulfilling to me to continue on this path of like, Oh, that's a new way to think about things. Or that's a, that new thought is going to have me think differently and maybe behave differently. And I'm just, I like, I like I'm addicted to that experience your son was having. Oh, Oh, that's, that's, no, never thought of that before.
1: I can't get enough of it. I call them learning-gasms and I'm addicted oh. too.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I am that. Oh my gosh. that is permanently tattooed in my head now. What a gift. Thank you. I love it.
1: Yeah. I, people, um, that's something that in my mindfulness I've I've been so thrilled to bring into my life is less of a concern of what other people think. So, when that, when the word learninggasm, let me try it so I don't mess it up again. <laughs> learninggasm came up, like my first initial thought was, oh my gosh, I'm going to offend people, you know? But then I was like, so what? So what? Some people are going to love it. Some people are not. And it's the ones who love it who, Will appreciate me and my humor, you know, or some parts of it. I don't expect everybody to appreciate all parts of my humor. Some of it's really bad, <laughs> you know. So I, I started saying it, and I've, when I got over that fear, and became more mindfully me, and expressing me. That's when the real magic started to happen. Mm. I love that. Even when I launched a podcast because I didn't know about it yet. I didn't know about mindfulness and I would love to hear what your podcasting journey has been like too, but I've learned more about myself through the stories of other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being able to share my voice Mm -hmm. in my voice and share my own story without, without being scared because I realized people are, Everybody has a story and your story will benefit somebody else. So how did your podcast come to be?
0: Well, it's honestly, it's a funny story. I was listening to a podcast. It was a guy named James Aldercher and he was interviewing Gary Vee and Gary Vee, it was on a, a, you know, not an atypical tangent of his, of just frustration with people not doing the work. And he talked about his his past as an immigrant and his family coming to the States with nothing and, you know, what they built. And and he he just really started riffing about, like, you're the only thing that's getting in the way. Like, just start. Just start. And he paused for a second. And then he said, you know, I'm going to totally regret this. But today's date is whatever it was. If you start and launch your podcast in the next because he had talked earlier, everyone should have a podcast, have a podcast, zero barrier to entry. It's a a great way to create a brand for yourself. So he says, if you start a podcast in the next 30 days or 60 days, might've been 60 days, I will be a guest on your podcast. And then James Altucher, I suppose, maybe feeling kind of guilty was like, and okay, I will too. And so all of a sudden I was like, wow, that's neat. I'm going to do it. So I did it. I was like, I think it was 30 days. I think they said 60, but I did it in 30 days. So I had, I've been thinking about it for a while. And I was like, yep, you're right, Gary, (laughs) just do it. So my podcast launches. And at the beginning, it was really focused on connection, this idea that our immune systems are the The real wellness of our life is so much more rooted in a sense of belonging and community than we think. We think that we need to just eat right and have good genes and make sure to exercise, but really, our sense of belonging to other people, our relationships, research has shown now that it is it trumps all of that. You can be overweight, smoker, uh, with a history of cancer in your family, and if you have a very loving supportive, connective, nourishing community, you are miles ahead from someone who's a triathlete who has no friends. So the beginning of the, of the podcast, it was originally called sync to life was all about talking to people about belonging and community. And like, how do we come back to each other more? How do we kind of, how do we go against this current of, of not being together? So podcast launches, And at that point I thought to myself, like, I don't, I don't even know I would, what I would talk to either of them about. So I never actually reached out and it ended up being like a big rigmarole. Like you had to fly to New York and you got, uh, five minutes and you had to line up with everybody. And it was like, it was like, I don't want that. I don't like, like, I was just so grateful to be kicked in the butt the way that I was that having them on my podcast was so inconsequential. I didn't like, I don't really care about Mm -hmm. that. It's not why I did it. It was originally, but then after I thought about it, I was like, no, I'm just really glad I got motivated to do it. And so that's how it all started. And then probably about a year ago, I realized, wow, it's it is about connection, but it's really about mindfulness and conscious living and living a connected and conscious and intentional life. Like that's really what the podcast about. So I changed the name to Sixty Mindful Minutes, and you know wouldn't would never look back. So yeah, so that's how it started.
1: I love that it changed to suit what it was and what it means and what it needed to be because I've seen even in positive productivity that I had to change it to make it work or not to make it work, but to make it more of what it was. Mm-hmm. And and in the whole, it's been such a tremendous learning experience. I like to say that I've gotten millions of dollars of free coaching from the guests, Totally, but I realized when I launched it, I was trying to keep up with the Joneses. And I thought that Oh, having a daily show would be awesome because that's (laughs) what, that's what John Lee Dumas does. You know, I want to be the female John Lee Dumas and have a daily podcast. So I did, and I totally burnt myself out. And then I took it down to two days a week. And that was a lot better, but it was still much. And I was concerned every step of the way of what's going to happen when I, when I start doing it less and then I realized by doing it less, I can do so much more. Oh. The quality versus quantity conversation has grown. Is it exponential? Exponent, I can never say that word. <laughs> um, in par- in tandem and parallel with mindfulness. Oh. Because as I've become more mindful, I'm not as worried. A, um, I have to say, I, I don't think I worry about. Quantity at all anymore, mm-hmm. or give much thought to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and
1: now it's quality.
0: And you don't have like you didn't go to a five day silent retreat, or you know read read books by Joseph Goldstein or Sharon Salzberg. Like like we're all going to naturally come to this as we mature, right? Like I think we know that in our 40s that we have a few more things together than in our 30s in our 30s we see a few more things more clearly than in our 20s like it all it's all going to come we're we're just naturally going to to get wiser as we age but i don't want to wait that long right like i i'm going to be 44 this year it's just fine i've nothing around that it's great age so was 24 like so we'll be 64 but I don't want to wait for just time to give me the lessons that I want to learn or that I need to learn or that would just help me be more satisfied with my life. So that, I think that's why I take such a deliberate approach. Like I, it's like I put the parachute on and go. Like I'm, I want to jump in. I don't want to just wait for circumstances to, to be my teachers. And they, and they still are all the time, maybe even more so because i'm i take such a curious and learning approach to life it's like when a lesson comes i don't have to wait 10 years for hindsight to look back and go oh that's why that happened oh that's what i learned from that it's like i can i can get on my cushion the next day and grab my journal and and think oh that's why that happened yesterday that's what i learned from that you know so i think for anybody listening it's like oh my god like how do i I want that. I want to live more mindfully. I want to be wiser. Like you will, it just happens just it's part of our human experience, but you can also just like you would as an entrepreneur, like you could say, you could, you could slowly become a better and better entrepreneur just by learning from your mistakes and from other people's successes or, or mistakes. Or you could say, you know what, I'm going to hire a coach or a consultant, or I'm going to start listening to some podcasts, or I'm going to. Join a really, really helpful Facebook group. Like you can actually get very intentional and deliberate. It's called um, self-directed neuroplasticity. Just to get really sciency on you, is this idea that we can very intentionally and deliberately rewire our own brain. And how, one of the ways we do that is by sort of planting a flag and say, you know what, I'm going to really take this on for a while. Like, how do I be a more, a more courageous entrepreneur? How do I be a more resilient? human being? How do I be a calmer parent? Like whatever it is that sort of feels like it's like a, ugh, right now, like there's a 400 books on that. Like you can just go get really, and probably just as many podcasts, you can just go get really deliberate and, and start being someone who's like, yeah, I'm going to engage in my evolution. I'm not going to just let it happen by accident. I'm going to actually participate in my own evolution.
1: I love every bit of this because even a couple of years ago, I would jump out of bed and jump right into client work. There might've been a shower in there. There might not have been, but there was no, uh, there was no slow time in my day, not at the beginning, not in the middle, not at the end. So I was working some days, 20, 22 hours a day, Listeners, I invite you to go back and listen to episode five. It's sleep and why I would rather you be doing that than listening to me. So if you're doing that, go listen to that episode and come back and listen to the rest of this one later. And yes, I am serious. But in this whole, even just this year, and I'm not going to date stamp it because it's relevant for all the future, I've been taking the first two hours of every day and journaling, riding my bike. Okay with the exception of this day because I overslept, but I am getting myself <laughs> grace to that. Yes. <laughs> I'll be doing it as soon as I get off here, but journaling, um, then riding my bike and listening to m- my favorite music. Okay. It's an internal recumbent bike, but it works awesomely for me. I do what works for me and reading a book at the same time. So I'll be singing and reading at the same time. Yes, it is possible. <laughs> and then I will, uh, plan my day Whoa. if I didn't plan it the night before. And then I'll get going. So it might someday be three hours. And yes, that might make it 11 o'clock before I jump into work. But it's not so much as um, it's not a belly flop into work anymore. Whoa. It's like one of those amazing dives that you see in the Olympics. Just a lot bigger person. <laughs> well, But it feels a lot better and I'm loving it. So when you when I first heard about your silent retreat, when you had the first one, uh, a couple, what was that? A couple a- months yeah, ago?
0: Yeah, yeah. Back in April.
1: Mm-hmm. I started looking at the sheds at Lowe's and Walmart in a different light. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then I started looking at the closet under me, underneath my basement stairs in a different light. I don't need a. A shed. I've got this amazing room because in my house that's where I would have to go, you know, if I didn't have a shed. But then I started thinking, I don't even need that. No. I have I can put aside whether it's five minutes in the morning or three hours. That can I can have my own daily silent retreat, lock my office door, and take take that time for me. Okay. Silent might also include earbuds sure. music, which I'm sure it doesn't necessarily mean for you, but I'd love to hear because I know listeners are wondering what do you mean by a silent retreat? And you just came out of another one. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the one that I just came on was guided. So it was with the university of, um, California, San Diego center for mindfulness. So they, they led it and it would have been in person, but obviously with the world that we're in right now, it was done virtually. But there was thirty-five of us, and we met on Zoom. And we went in and out of different uh, meditations and talks. And we would do walking meditation, and we did a body scan meditation, and we did a, a metta, which is uh, loving kindness meditation. And so, over the course of five days, um, five and a half days, we you know, there was a lot of my, you know, meditation. But then there was like listening and ha- hearing someone give a really great talk on some different aspects of. Buddhism or, you know, just wise living. So it was, it was great. I obviously I have two kids and a husband and I had to do some work ahead a time to say like, Hey, this is going to be my schedule. I'm going to be, we have a, we have a climate controlled shed. It's my husband's office. So I, I stole that for the the whole time. Uh, but I came in and ate meals and I slept in my own bed and I just had an agreement with them that I wouldn't speak. They could talk to me and I could write things down. Um, but, but uh, you know, I wasn't to be disturbed once I was back in the in the little cottage. So it was amazing. But I had I had done a two day, which is the one you, you and I were talking about a few months ago, all on my own. So it wasn't guided; it was just myself. And and it was just a it was just a chance to get quiet. I did a ton of journaling. I did watch a few talks with, um, I think Tara Brock and Joseph Goldstein. And it was just like I'm just going to take these two days out of my life and just. I would almost call it like a reflection retreat. Like I just want to go and just like just stop, just stop everything and just go be with myself. So I'm going to do another one of those in October, um, and this time I'll lead it. So I have a big group of women that I mentor, and and when I came out of the one in April, they were like, "Oh my God, how did you do that?" And they had so many questions. And I thought, "Oh, okay, this this could be helpful to helping people." Get ready for one, you know, prep for it, and also like have community inside of it It is actually really lovely. On the silent retreat I was just on, every once in a while I would kind of like peek an eye open, and I could see all these thirty-five faces, everybody meditating, and who knows if everyone was serene as they looked. (laughs) You know, I don't know what's happening in their brain, but I, I could look at someone, I could kind of borrow some of their zen. Like ah, if I was having a tough moment, my mind just monkey, monkey, monkey. I could kind of peek at someone and be like, okay, I'm going to borrow Shannon's Zen. She looks pretty Zen over there and kind of find myself back in community of just being centered again. So yeah, I'm a big fan of, of retreating and, and even your, your morning retreat, I have a very similar one that does the exact same thing, just in sort of micro doses.
1: Would you mind expanding on that? Cause I would love to hear what your morning routine is. Uh, well,
0: I get up early and I, and I like getting up early for a couple of reasons. Uh, I like going to bed early the night before, so it's not a struggle for me. There isn't something I wish I was doing instead of falling asleep. I I remember when I was a little kid, my mom would tuck me in and say like, isn't it so great that you're here? Like smell your sheets and co- cozy your pillow. And, and I feel like here we are, here I am all these years later. And it's like, when I get into bed, it's like, oh, like what took me so long? <laughs> I'm so glad I'm here. So I love going to bed early. And then so it's no problem for me to get up early. I usually get up around quarter after five, five thirty. I do a meditation twenty to thirty minutes. I have different sort of not spiritual books as in religious, but like books about mindfulness or books about um, thinking about our thinking. You know it's just more like inspiring, insightful books and maybe a novel. I read that in the morning and then I usually journal and then I go for a walk. So that's really my morning. And it could it could last anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours, as you said, depending on what is happening in our world and what our schedule is and what's happening with schools and all of that kind of stuff. So I call it my, my daily centering practice because that's exactly what it does. It's like, it puts me in the, in the driver's seat of my life. It ha- it has me sort of navigate ahead. Okay. This is how I want my day to go versus sleeping in and, and, you know, racing out of bed. And I'm feeling like I'm always two steps behind. I'm always reacting when I start my day that way. It's like, ah, I'm setting the course and the pace, right. That, that, Thirty miles an hour, not that fifty-five miles an hour. So yeah, so that's my that's my practice, and I do it every day.
1: Mm. So i I saw I've seen so many books that talk about the miracle morning, and I'm not. I'll Alrod, right, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the book, or you know, there's a whole bunch of them. And I think a lot of my resistance came from number one: I don't like doing things because other people tell me to, because mm. I've never found myself going down the right path. When I do things, because other people tell me to, I have to do it because my heart tells me it's the right thing to do for me. And I'm sorry, there's a... So to the listeners, I must just add the disclaimer that a little part was just edited out where where a teenager who is in between soccer trainings came in, busted into the office and, and needed something. So, you know, the mindfulness has to be there. I was channeling Kristen. <laughs> Stay calm. <laughs> Stay calm. Because dude, the door was locked. And you just used a, a butter knife to <laughs> knock into, <laughs> into my office so when the door good. was locked. <laughs> oh, so good. Mm. Channeling Kristen. Okay. Um but yeah, the, the getting up early really it, it wasn't working for me and I tried. But I also, I'm a night person too, mm. even though there are days that I can get up at six, i I'm a night owl. And I know there are experts out there who say, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep is optimal or six to eight. After four to five, I'm wide awake. And that's actually what happened last night. I went to bed at 11 last night and I was up at four o'clock wide awake. But then I, I realized I sh- I'm tired still. So I went back to bed. And that's, that's the story of how I overslept. So I just realized, you know, I, I really have to stick to what works for me. And when I know I might be tired some days, I might oversleep some days, but it's good. So I love my, if it's eight to 11 for me in the morning or for you, Kristen, or for any other listener, it's, you know, four or five to whatever time it is, do what works for you yeah. because my business is going to feel best when it's, when it's yours and when it doesn't belong to somebody else.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, you do you, you know, this, this system that I've created works with my inner ecosystem. You know, I, I don't have to fight myself to go to sleep and I don't have to fight myself to wake up. And so for my mom, for example, she comes and lives with us for a few months every year. She does her centering practice at night. It's the last thing she does before she goes to bed. She does her meditation and journaling and reading. So that's what works for her. World, and that's fine. It's great for some people. It might be on their lunch hour. For some people, it might be during a run. You know, I have people say, "Hey, what about when I exercise? Can that count as a centering practice?" And I say, "Yes, as long as you're bringing the the intention, attention, and attitude to it that it is a is a sacred moment. If if it's if you're running and it's it ends up you're just blasting." you know, Drake and, and and thinking about what you have to do that day, then yeah, that's not gonna feel like a sacred practice. Well, you're just not gonna get the benefit from it. You might get other benefits from it, but not necessarily the sense of being the the navigator of your day, the navigator of your life. So I think it's gonna it takes people some time to sift through like what works for me. And certainly this idea that we should just blindly subscribe to an idea that, well, successful people wake up early, successful people read a book a week, successful people meditate. Like, I can totally understand why there's a huge portion of the population would just throw up a middle finger to that. No, I'm not, like, I'm not going to subscribe to an idea that in order to dot, 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 I have to, you know, fall in line with the herd of like how you're supposed to be successful, find your own way to be successful and notice where you sort of hijack yourself or where you maybe could, could get a little grittier or a little more disciplined or a little more self-controlled that it actually would serve you to cultivate that parts of yourself. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You do you, I'll do me. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm writing my book right now, too, and I keep on hearing people say, oh, if you just write one page a day or set aside two hours every day. No, I have I have 30 minutes and it works for me mm-hmm. and it feels awesome. Correct. And with chronic idea disorder and that being about what the book is about, too, you know, 30 minutes is what my brain tolerates before the next idea pops in about what else I need to be doing. Love so it. it feels awesome. Every Every part of our life, While we do have to be considerate of others, we have to give foremost thought to ourselves. Kristen, I have loved every second of this conversation as I knew I would. And I know you're working on a lot of awesome things. Would you mind sharing with the listeners where they can find you online, connect, and learn more about you and what you do?
0: Yeah. So easiest is just go to 60mindfulminutes.com. And uh, from there, you can look at past podcast episodes. I, I just love interviewing people about the, like this is the kind of conversation I have every single week on, except it's the other way around. I'm usually the one answering or asking questions. Uh, So definitely check out the podcast. I think that, that people really will get a lot of value from wise, wise, wise guests. I just love my guests and um, you can hit the shop button and learn more. I created a a workbook and a practice guide. If someone's like, "Mm, I kind of would like to have a daily centering practice There's a lot of things to consider when, why, where, like what, all the things. And so I created a guidebook for that. And I also do um, kind of 28 day challenges along with it. So if you're like, yes, for the month of August, I am going to commit to this daily centering practice. You can join a group and we meet every week. And so for some people, that accountability factor and having it be sitting in the confines of a specific date set, that works really well. For other people, they're like, nah, just send me the book and I'll do it myself. That works too. So yeah, definitely uh, check those out and subscribe. And then you'll know when I've got different courses or that silent retreat that I'm going to be guiding in October, you'll get, you'll get notified of that too. So So thanks. Thanks for letting me share
1: that. Oh, I am definitely going to be wanting to know more about the silent retreat. Yeah. I'm laughing over here, just thinking about how it would work in my family but there's that part of internal satisfaction, knowing that it would work.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like we, we teach people how to treat us. And I think I'll speak for, to the moms out there that if you're not getting uh, a break, if you're not getting a um, space, if there's some like boundaries that just seem to just not exist, look to where uh, you may have participated in the creation of that. I'm not putting pointing a finger at you and saying, Well, you you caused it, but we participate in educating the people in our family on how to treat us and what matters to us and how to prioritize what matters to us. And so I think a two-day silent retreat is such a great like boot camp for that. Like, hey, world, I matter to me, and you need to leave me alone for two days. So because I'm gonna go take care of myself. I think that is a huge statement. I think that's something that really creates a lot of value for our kids because they go, oh, wait, I, you've spent my lifetime telling me that I matter. Wait, you matter? <laughs> like, that's important to know because they're going to be a parent one day and I hope they matter to themselves. I hope they teach their kids that they matter. So I think it's a great exercise in, in learning to, to prioritize ourselves. Like, like also part of the pie, like not like me before you, but like I also get some.
1: Kristen, I normally ask for a parting piece of advice, but I feel like everybody just needs to walk away with that. Yeah. Treating or teaching others how to treat us. Yeah. Yeah. That you matter. Like
0: you matter. Like you live your life like everyone matters. And it's like that needs to you like you get some of that. Like there's a big pie there and you get you get to have a slice of the mattering pie
1: (laughs) as well. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Listeners, I would love to hear your feedback. So head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP663. Leave a comment down below and you will find all the links to to where you can find Kristen on there as well. But Kristen, thank you so much again. This has been awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast.